It'd be oh, funny if that was a good one. Uh, that was like because we always do three, two, one clap. If the next time I just clap on one, just to be a dick, that would. I think it'd be a good bit. Except or if I do just random numbers where I'm like, okay, eighty-two, five, eighty. But, but what if you clap on one and Jay and I clap on three, and then Evan is all fuckered up and you ruin the whole episode? But then Evan can join in and do uh, A and R claps or, or, uh, or uh, <laughs> ADR, ADR claps, so that he, we can do like a kind of song. Produce. We were just talking Jay Dilla, dude. This is our break into. I mean, it's. Sampling. I don't know audio specific producing but syncing at least if you get close is less of an issue i was uh especially now with uh how good when i was in film school man like having to sync the like slate slap directly to it in final cut was a huge pain in the ass in like 2010 and then by 2015 when i went back to grad school, Adobe was like, oh yeah, we just do that for you. You don't have to. And so I'm sure technology is at a point where hopefully it will get Evan close. Yeah, like Slate Slap sounds like your trip hop name. Slate Slap. Slate Slap yeah. sounds like some kind of sex move, like a turd toboggan. Yeah. I can see that. But it's like outside on gravel. <laughs> 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 I think a slate slap would be I'm trying to think of any other kind of slate besides film slates. Ah fuck it. Uh no, I'm hold just on. Let's let's dive into this podcast about slates. This is yeah. great. <clears throat> Welcome to the Vulgar Tours, where we examine the filmographies of genre filmmakers. We are nearing the end of our series on the films of Mel Brooks, and this week we are talking Spaceballs. I'm Paco. I'm Jason. I'm Terry. So, to start off, I should say that this is top five movies I have watched the most in my life. I. It's a lot of waste of time. I completely agree. I may have seen this more than any star wars movie there was a period from fifth to about eighth grade where i thought star wars was really dumb but i like this better than space balls i had space balls was one of like three dvds i had in late grade school early middle school so wait but did those dvds include star wars no it I'm, I'm That's saying, some I'm, Malcolm Gladwell shit, dude. Okay, like you, you could so, have made your oh, own. Oh yeah, no, I knew this entire movie when I rewatched it. Like I could quote along with it, which is that's awesome. Super embarrassing. That's horrible, uh, dude. The other DVDs I remember having in this time were Dirty Work, Bob Saget's masterpiece starring Norm Macdonald and Artie Lang. Masterpiece, uh, he says. Dude, fucking watch it and I tell will, me it's I not. will, I will, I know. We'll, talk, we'll, we'll revisit this. <laughs> and Shrek, which is Shrek. Um, one of the... <laughs> wait, wait, did, did you hear the thing about how people who got kicked off of the Prince of Egypt had to go get shrek They were put on the production for shrek that's so funny. I had not heard that, but that... Yeah, it was like a, it was like a punishment. It was a punishment <laughs> yeah. for people who fucked up. They had to go work on Shrek. 
Anyways, so Great I watched soundtrack. those three, three a lot. I remember in sixth grade, I bought Domestic Disturbance from Blockbuster Hell used yeah. because oh, yeah. the trailers convinced me that was going to be a great movie. And even 12-year-old idiot me who watched Spaceballs at least 100 times watched Domestic Disturbance twice and was like, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> and Terry, what was your first DVD? He went to go pee. What was your first DVD, Jason? <laughs> Terry, this is why you gotta enable your video. I'm so sorry. we don't throw to you when you're gone. Sorry. I'm sorry. That was perfect. Keep that in uh, my my first my my first DVD was South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Oh fuck. Oh, yeah. that was in my first five. Man, that's dope, dude. First one I ever bought. Watched it a whole lot. How about you, Jason? Dude, I don't know. I don't know if I remember right. It, it had to have been either like Evil Dead or uh, Jackie Chan's First Strike. Hell yeah. Like I remember yeah. there was like a tiny little tr- like used trade-in place where I lived in Redding, uh, California. And like going in there and like like Evil Dead and that were like $4 or something in like 2002 or whatever. And it was like score. I remember, uh, so my birthday is exactly one week before 9-11. Humble brag. uh, (laughs) You beat me to it. We got got the DVD player in when I was in sixth grade, so I would have turned 11. And this sounds like a Joe Rogan podcast, by the way. (laughs) It didn't come with any DVDs. So like, I think the two I picked from Best Buy were dirty work and space balls and uh i remember because i was at outdoor school on 9-11 and they didn't tell us about 9-11 so i remember just bragging to my buddies at outdoor school like yeah i got a fucking dvd player like it's the wave of the future i'm so fucking pumped and everyone forgot about your dvd player by the time 9-11 came about huh well, not until 9.15 when we came home. <laughs> <laughs> really stole your thunder. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I also... Everybody. How's it going? <laughs> I also pissed all over myself at that outdoor camp, so uh, that might have stole some of the thunder. But I think only one person caught me. Well, have like you that. ever heard of the butterfly effect? <laughs> I've seen the movie. <laughs> Wait, but but you were in sixth grade. You weren't drunk. You just pissed all over yourself because you were a kid. It was outdoor school, and the outhouse was like two fucking uh, bunk cabins away. Yeah. And there was like a shitload of spiders in it. And I was like, I can probably make it till morning. I can probably make it till morning. And I was like, oh, I can't. So I was like dashing to the outhouse and I like whipped my dick out, I think on the way. And I was like, I didn't piss my pants, but that's, I was arguing about this with the kid that caught me in my bunk. I was like, I didn't piss my pants. I was running and I pissed all over them because <laughs> I had them out. <laughs> it's a very important distinction. There is there is piss all over my pants, but I didn't piss my pants. Yes, that's you really see dude. the pattern. This is you not a, a pissed pants pattern. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 
Oh man, God. you guys, this this is a good podcast That's right cool. here. Yeah. <laughs> Terry, Terry, when was the last time you peed yourself? <laughs> Ooh, that was a minute ago. You don't have to, you don't have to answer, but no, it's I was, sorry, we should probably talk about spaceballs. But Buck, I was sixteen. About. I think the last time I peed myself might have been seventeen. God, I, it was honestly October for me of twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you get it. Dish. It's it really. It sounds bad. I don't know if uh, I, don't, I don't know if I make myself out to be a hero here, but I was uh, I was recording briefly for my partner's birthday, "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark," where I was pl- singing it like an opera. Hell yeah! <laughs> so I was gonna adapt. Dude, the those stories are thing. so good. Uh, but like with weird voices, as if I'm like narrating. So it'd be like a book on tape that like she could put on and like listen to like i was gonna do each chapter or whatever mm-hmm. and i was just being super silly and got drunk and just did a bunch of like random things and i sent them to evan and just like evan's reaction was just funny that i was drunk and laughing so hard at something that i like straight up peed myself <laughs> <laughs> laughing at something I mean, that i was doing it's just but like, that sounds like some ego maniacal the last time i peed myself I was in high school and I got so drunk that I pissed myself when I passed out in uh, one of my friend's cars. Dude, I have never done that. I've only done it once, to my knowledge, and I can't recommend it. I, I've been blackout Little drunk on a number of occasions and I've never pissed my pants. Like in Clackamas County, Paco, you're known as like Paco the Pee Bandit or like <laughs> you're like a pee bandit or something, like wanted. Dude, uh, I. In my years as a younger man, was an expert on the places you could pee in secret. I mean, I still am. Mm. They're a little different now because some of them were actual businesses that are, you know, closed for COVID. But like Portland or Seattle, if you need to pee, I could probably aim you to a spot within like five minutes. That sounds uh, like you're going to pee on them. <laughs> I'm going to aim you to the spot. Well, no, I just mean like I have That's a tiny a bladder. Idea. I have a tiny bladder and I uh, would, uh, you know, need a spot to go. And our society doesn't set up bathrooms everywhere they should be. So it would be like, oh, there's a tall bush here or there's a dumpster here I can use for cover. Like, you could use Google to memorize, like, security guards, like, no. patterns, like a video game. So you're like, okay, at 1100, you know, this person's going to be on shift. They're going to walk around this side of the build, south-facing building. So you have a good four minutes to complete your business behind Bush A that's so, located to your left. When me and Evan's roommate were 19, we lived in Seattle together. And we would party in one part of town, and where we lived was a completely different part of town. Where like we don't have... shit where you eat, kind of thing. No, it was more like we were living at my mom's house, and oh. uh, <laughs> so it was free rent. And <laughs> hey, n- yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, bleep that out, Evan. Okay, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, so we'd be partying in Capitol Hill and we'd have to take a bus back to downtown and then catch a different bus back. And like downtown Seattle is worse than any city I've been to for like public toilets at night. So we became the kings of the alley piss. And yeah. it 
it was epic adventures because the bus back would take like 40 minutes and like after you'd had you know a couple bottles of wine there was no way you were going to make it all the way back if you didn't take a piss somewhere in downtown anyways this is a podcast no. about space balls yeah dude i was gonna say <laughs> like, yeah. we're, we're doing a Evan good job out, of talking about space balls Evan cut I out mean, minute uh eight to like well i guess never mind um so space balls <laughs> is mel brooks's attempt at a star wars slash kind of star trekky movie and i don't know about how many times you guys saw this as a kid but it certainly did not hold up for me yeah like i i remember watching this like renting it a couple of times and i think the last time that i saw it was a te- as a teenager and i remembered it being slow and so like i kind of remember that going into it but i was also like it was so long ago that I was super stoked to check this out, especially like recently I, I finished like all of the star Wars movies and stuff, but I was kind of disappointed by how it held up. And I was kind of baffled by it too. Like one, one question that I kept asking myself was like, did this come too late or did it come too soon? Um, in the era of star Wars, like it feels like a 50 year old man, who didn't understand the subject matter or like any of the science fiction aspects of it. Well, but I were, was making a movie. I feel like, it, but, but, but I mean, like, what movie was it we were talking about where we said we felt it was really forced? Was that high anxiety? I think it was high anxiety. Yeah. This is like high anxiety, but for movies that Mel Brooks doesn't seem to have the same passion for. Well, but but mm. but see that's the thing there was like the reference to uh the Jews in space at the end of History of the World. So like clearly he he kind of like prefigured like this interest, but but I think you're right to point out that like it 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 was like this is a popular trend and and I think that's reflected in a lot of spaceballs in particular with all like the merchandising and like it's played up as a joke, but I don't know. It didn't really feel like a joke to me. Like, I think I think they really wanted to make a bunch of move, money off this movie. Well, I, well so g- going into the 80s, uh, Brooks's focus had uh, shifted more to the film production side of things. And so he conceived this, at, you know, off of the Jews in Space trailer at the end of History of the World Part 1 and was interested in spoofing the genre of science fiction and uh, started the idea um, for originally called The Planet Moron, which it was later changed because it was, uh, there was already a, a movie called Morons from Outer Space or something that uh, owned the copyright. Uh, they, you know, didn't want to dilute the name <laughs> or whatever. But, um, and so there was six years between, you know, uh, I guess they shot this in 1986. So there's like five years between History of the World and Spaceballs. And Mel Brooks was being really... Um, he was just trying to make sure that the script was tight and that uh, he was super he adamant about... Huh? <laughs> oh, he Oh, well, that's for sure. But he was also, he was super adamant still for the ego of, like, he only wants to direct a film that's written by him. And originally the script was, like, three over 300 pages long that they shortened down. And I'm just like, the, you know, I mean, these were the best of the jokes. Um, but the, the overall structure would be based off the Star Wars trilogy... Um, and, and, you know, he was also simultaneously working on a mystery spoof called Scared to Death, which would have been along the lines of this, which is kind of weird, too, because I feel like High Anxiety was kind of the mystery suspense Mm -hmm. spoof already. Um, but interesting with George Lucas, because 
Similar to High Anxiety, Brooks approached Lucas for his approval, and Lucas was totally cool with it, as long as they didn't produce any merchandise from the movie, because they didn't want to cons- you know, confuse consumers and also take a piece from uh, Lucas's lucrative toy deal. Which oh, boy. He's still, I think... I think even though he sold the rights yeah, of all the yeah, Star Wars yeah, to Disney, he's still he got a stake. Toy, oh yeah, right, yeah. right. Well, but that was the whole Something thing. It was to... it was always a ploy to sell toys, and it was a good one. It worked. He made a lot of money. And I think Lucas is an actual. I think at the point he made the first couple Star Wars movies, he really cared about telling a story. Oh no, like, I, 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 but yeah, I, just, I totally. think it was also a sensible business decision. But like, oh yeah, I, there, there's a reason he never sold the it. Jedi. Yeah, uh, he was more in the businessman mold. Well, I mean, uh, he started that whole era of collecting yeah. figurines and like really get like the nerd culture that we know that permeates I mean, everywhere. They, kind of starts there. A bunch of jokes about merchandising in this movie. Yeah. Like, I love the spaceballs flamethrower. I would oh, fucking. Yeah. Uh, that is kind of charming. Totally buy that. But it it is kind of like a gentle jab at Lucas for I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a gentle jab. I think cuz it, it's like throughout the whole film. Well, like even all the sound effects, they have a similar quality that's kind of like Star Wars, but I think if memory serves that like Lucas owns the Star Wars sound effects. So like well, you but don't I, hear a lightsaber sound like the original But but I know. but I thought but it was, if they got their sound done at ILM they would have Well but I also thought it was interesting because remember how Evan mm-hmm. remarked that the uh score in certain parts of History of the World sounded like the Superman theme? They reused yeah. the same theme for like the sort of like faux Star Wars theme in this movie. Yeah, like John Morris uh, returns here, and it's totally this like the sound alike music, where it's like it's close enough that you're like, oh, this is totally the theme to Star Wars or Wizard of Oz for that matter, and but it's not, you know, it's it's well, that no, weird it, thing it's that you see in commercials. He's a really good imitator. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. he oh, sells that, totally. which I do think in a movie where the jokes work would be a great part of helping make those jokes work. I well, think what, the significant issue with this movie is none of the jokes work. Well, do you want to talk about the opening of the movie? Because this is kind of one of the parts of the movie that I remember the most. Like, it was just vivid because it's it's doing the title scrawl for Star Wars or whatever. So it's doing I, whatever. I, I, I will say, I, I think the title scroll, or scroll is, like, kind of bad. It's, like, a little cheesy. I don't like it. But I do like the spoof on the uh like really Imperial. long star destroyer yeah the yeah. star destroyer I, I i because like even the way it's built like at a number of points you think it's going to end it like yeah. looks logical like that like by by what you understand is like design standards th- because of star wars and other science fiction like you think it's going to end and then it just keeps going like then it's like pushing into the foreground like it, it's a really funny gag but the title scroll is like not good <laughs> i i think it's not really funny but kind of funny and then when you get to the bumper sticker of i break for nobody okay well the bump the bumper sticker is when the joke is like overplayed like it's well, and yeah. they use that again too yeah like, a, a the number Winnebago of times right yeah but um i i kind of appreciated it that joke the never-ending you know star destroyer joke or whatever more for how dry it was it's kind of one of those it is things pretty that, dry. like like the 12 chairs kind of where there is some like subtext that is kind of funny where you're like 
you're starting this huge epic sci-fi fantasy spoof and you're beginning the movie with long boring kind of writing that's not really funny but then a long spaceship that just keeps going and it's just dead air for like you know a long amount of time and I kind of appreciated that of like that's just the weirdest thing and that it's so dry that it's almost like anti-humor at that point I mean they're just there there weren't <clears throat> there's a lot of jokes but uh, so so few of them land and, and I hate to say that like also the performances kind of lack like where where's where's Madeline Kahn and like Corman like we're, we're, we're missing the the crew and it like you kind of feel it like I like Rick Moranis but I don't think he's great in this film and that's kind of unfortunate that's... I love John Candy, but he's no, the same given thing. Exactly. Nothing to he's do giving with nothing. Or, or or Bill Pullman. Like, there's there's a lot of great actors in this movie. I think that's the weird crime about this movie is that how can you have such an amazing cast that is just dull and flat? Exactly. Like how do you make John Candy so restrained where you're like, what? Like like everything that he says or everything that he does should be like dynamite because it's it's like john candy was like at a height mm-hmm. like bill pullman is supposed to be this like charismatic han solo type figure whatever luke skywalker figure or something han solo and he's figure, definitely well, but, but he also has he's the short so like it's like kind of a funny... hybrid that's true well it's kind of one of the problems that, that was so distracting was like I, I couldn't get over how slow the movie felt yeah and, like mm-hmm. it, it just was paced poorly and then coupled with so many jokes that were hitting you a mile a minute that weren't connecting just made it like tiresome. Like I was like exhausted. They were. Let's be fair. They weren't hitting us a mile a minute. They were hitting well, no. us like. But but every I really agree with your miles. earlier kind of uh, description, Paco, where you said that it was like a like an old man kind of trying to connect with popular culture. I feel like a lot of yeah. the jokes they bring that way, where it's like, and and and, and I hate to say that like. I don't think Brooks has passed his prime, but I think that he's reaching. I do. No, and that's fair, and you can say that. <laughs> I, I don't think at this point that Brooks has passed his prime. I, I just think that in this particular instance, he's reaching too much. And because of that, it it, it rings kind of hollow. And I think that's like a big problem with this whole film. Well, I, I feel like this is where he, well, for one, starts kind of this strange downfall because it's kind of like his focus has changed to business. Like, He's not just making a script of skits from the 2,000-year-old man or, like, you know, all of these things that he kind of knows. He's mm-hmm. looking ahead going, okay, Star Wars was huge. I've been doing spoofs. Let me do a throw-off for science fiction. But I'm well, going to model it after Star Wars, which is the big right, but sci-fi I, I, thing. I think that's also part of the problem, though, is that he's focusing too closely on, like, a single film in the genre. Well, I think he, he spreads it to a point, but one of... Well, the but only, issues only to I'd, a point. It's mostly Star Wars. I'd, I'd argue one of the biggest issues is he clearly doesn't really understand even Star Wars. Yeah. Because all the shit with, like, space princes and stuff well, is Princess not Leia's from any... Princess Leia's a peasant, and you're like, what? And she's wearing a dress and is, like, super girly when... I, I don't know. It, like I mean... I think it's different because... I mean, he's taking it really literally, though. Like, the, the fantasy yeah, but... elements are, like... He's he's doing, like, some men in tight shit here. Oh, sure. But he's building a bunch of shit that isn't there in any of the original text that he's riffing from. Like, 
there's none of this boring wedding shit in any of those. And well, that, but 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 I would argue that he's riffing on like an older kind of like this the narrative that that Lucas is kind of eschewing. Uh, Lucas is paying, or excuse me, uh, uh, Brooks is paying homage to, but I agree, it still doesn't work. But, he's, but, but it's I like think a callback. that makes a parody of a contemporary movie. No, but it is a, a parody. Lot that, more, but that's the, but that's what I'm saying. It makes it a lot more challenging if you're parodying like five movies in the last ten years. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, but that's fair. you're you're not really hewing to that and you're writing like this whole other script that isn't directly a parody of that and it is its own thing yeah like you're you're not reimagining like a single script to go for like specific scenes and you're creating new scenes for that context that doesn't work like java the or pizza the hut calling and like it's if it was one thing if like they were at the tatooine like you know java the hut club and then you had that whole scene that where he falls underneath or you like mm-hmm. if you if you had done stuck to specific scenes because that's what the context is like it, which you know would have made sense well and, and the context was established in high anxiety as well that like clearly you take specific scenes from sp- specific films in the genre but like yeah you're right he wasn't really doing that and, and it, it just it feels disconnected kind yeah. of like it, it it's just as strange. Which, uh, by the way, Pizza the Hut was Dom DeLuise's voice. I was and wondering that about other, that. That other character looked super like Max Headroom, like super strange, off kilter, yeah. like AI, like that was super strange. Where I was like, why aren't these characters in the movie more? Like in in like the pizza thing was so gross. It was like, really gross. He's like gushing, like cheesy looking. It's shit one and, of the like, best parts of the movie. It's wonderful. Like I, those sight gags were great, and and even like, so I was thinking as I was watching this that the I think this is where the modern like contemporary people know Mel Brooks from primarily. I would say because it it creates the break the fourth wall dynamic where Rick Moranis revisits that like goes back to that right. pool multiple times this movie, and that's how I kind of remember Mel Brooks, including in like the Dracula dead and loving it and men in tights where it breaks the fourth wall a number of times and even crashes into it. Like Rick Moranis, like, you know, is knocked down from the camera and like actually interacts with it, like spits coffee. And like the the VHS uh, part where they're uh, catching up to the movie. Corporal, get me the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie. Yes, sir. Producers, 12 chairs, blazing cells. How can there be a cassette of Spaceballs the movie? We're still in the middle of making it. Oh, that's true, sir. But there's been a new breakthrough in home video marketing. There has? Yes. Instant cassettes. They're out in stores before the movie is finished. Nah. Here it is, sir. Spaceballs. Good work, Corporal. Punch it up. That's much too early. Prepare to fast forward. Preparing to fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forwarding, sir. Sir, 
Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? We passed then. When? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. But but I like I, I think I, it, I think it works too. better when the uh, the camera breaks through the frame in in uh, high anxiety rather than like what they do in in spaceballs though because spaceballs again like with the DVDs like it's it's just such a commodity it's like well like let's look at the end of the movie like that's it's not even like it, it's well it's the, it's not the end of the movie it's like let's catch up to see where they are no I which, when will then be now I, but, I know but like it's it's I, just like a really I agree uninspired gag with the point you're making with Mel Brooks movie where it feels Natural is not the right word, but the joke doesn't have to hit you over the head when the camera like crashes into a window in high anxiety. Whereas this, it's like really overselling. Yeah, like, and I guess you're watching a movie. It's not subtle well, and high anxiety, but it doesn't feel well, as I mean, forced that, as this one does. Exactly. That, that joke is oddly kind of anti-capitalist humor too, because they're going like oh it's the vhs gimmick is that they get out in stores before a movie is finished and it's like give me a rental you know like they're they're poking fun at the fact that like vhs are kind of becoming in now and there were so many gimmicks to try and sell these like 200 hundred dollar fucking movies or whatever the fuck they were at the time well but, but i don't know if it's like strictly anti-capitalist though because he's also like space balls to towel oh, yeah. I, I guess not anti-capitalist but like the i mean i think that could be argued as anti-capitalist in a way i would yeah. not I would not take that strict uh, position. Mel Brooks is a capitalist. Well, Brooks but like, films, no, is yeah, knowing about example, Brooks but, films but, precludes me from like assuming it's anti-capitalist. But. but, but, but I guess I mean more like the merchandising jokes in the movie that it's it's like oh there's a VHS gimmick you know like it's it's talking about like you know consumerism kind of because I mean you have like spaceballs towels. And like Spaceballs, like in the Galaxy Diner or whatever, that's like the bar wet mat or whatever. Right, Spaceballs. Like, the it's mat. just ridiculous. Uh, Spaceballs the toilet paper, yeah. Yeah. So I guess let's talk about that diner scene. Yeah, the cat digs me! Hey, what's wrong with this guy? I don't know! Drink some water! Water my ass! Bring this guy some Pepto Bismol! Waitress! Waitress! What did he order? Oh, he had a special. That's what I ordered! I changed my order for the soup! Good move. again i appreciated that they actually got john hurt um and i like how they frame it so you can like you can't be clear that it's not yafet kodo yeah i did Uh, like that too yeah but the rest of them really look nothing like their actual alien no well but they don't have to but i I will say like no spoiler like i think john hurt probably was the best actor in the movie (laughs) <laughs> i would disagree with that but i i think he's got maybe my favorite joke where he's like oh not again or whatever it is yeah. right um, before the disastrous joke before after that like the hello mahoney like oh my god i i honestly i love that as a kid because i was like Same. this is so fucking silly and stupid Dude, i i, I was I like, I, like i like cringe i i cringed into a new dimension while rewatching that like it just i knew it was coming so i was like yeah that's just what happened 
happens. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, like, I, I read on IMDb, so take it with a grain of salt, but I, I think it was on IMDb that uh, Hurt was saying that he was, apparently the deal was to have like a cameo, like a walk-in kind of thing, and then he shows up and they do that scene, he was like pissed that he didn't get paid, or maybe he was just like, well, I guess he was British about it, so he's just like, look. <laughs> Even if you do a walk-in role, like, don't be a fucking scab. Like, get paid. Yeah. Like, if you're taking that role from an actor who needs the money, like... You couldn't do, like, a lookalike? But I'm saying, like, I don't... I feel like, no matter what, you should at least get base pay. Because the guilds are complicated, even in London. But, uh, we're going to say That's beside the point, yeah. Spaceballs. Yeah. Which we clearly don't want to talk about. So, uh... The Joan Rivers robot. Oh, oh man! Joan the, Rivers like, is funnier about... than that, man. Well, like, is she? I mean, I, I like I, I like Joan I, Rivers. I, I, well, maybe she's not funny funnier, but maybe Joan she's Rivers. maybe she's more charming than that. Because the robot is name one robotic. charming thing Joan Rivers has done. I mean, I kind of like the like snarky red carpet thing. Yeah, with so where she's like ripping on people. Yeah, dude, that's funny. Well, I think that, like, and I can't, like, name drop anything or anything, but I remember seeing a bunch of her stand-up comedy from, like, the 60s and 70s and shit, and she was super, like, ahead of her time and super razzy. I, I kind of love her old uh, her old school, like, Hollywood style, like, like, Rickles, where it's just, like, always on. Like, her mind was always on and quick. And I feel like she's even restrained here, too, where, yeah. for one, we don't even know if Joan Rivers was on set at all. She and wasn't. Two, she was doing the voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but that's but that's the thing, is just like, okay, so you don't have her there, you don't see her face, and she's naturally expressive, and she's a comedian. So it's like, okay, it's like the Green Goblin thing from Spider-Man, where you're like, okay, Willem Dafoe, expressive, beautiful, huge face. Let's let's put a, a helmet on him so that you can't see his face. Anyway, um, I feel like uh, fuck. I got super sidetracked by that. Um, oh, Joan Rivers. So like, she's not even funny in a way that's like contrasts the C three PO thing at all. She's almost like, well, she's creepy. The Virgin Alarm thing. Yeah. Like what he touch. And that joke comes up again in, like, Robin Hood Men in Tights with, like, the chastity belt right. with, like, a key or something. And yeah. Like, what well, is and, Mel Brooks' obsession with, like... Notice how... Remember Paco said that, that uh, Brooks does movies to see boobs? He has the hot secretary. He has a threesome in this... Or, uh, yeah, threesome in this one. Like, yeah, I, like that shows up those twins, in every yeah. movie. And I think that was what was bothersome about the Leia, aside from the actor, and I'm sorry, uh, she just wasn't a good no. actor, Daphne Zuniga. I'm sorry. Zuniga. I feel like she's been good in other things. But I think that was the problem, is is that like she was portrayed as like this princess, like, I'm all alone, or whatever, like, like her calling Bill Pullman a peasant, and they were supposed to, like, it just was so weird, because... She's portrayed not really as a hero of the story, but like the damselly kind of low role. Or well, I mean, that's more to also Leia's role. I mean, it's not like Lucas is great about that either. That's true, but at least like she has more of an action presence as the movies progress versus like. Well, but I, 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 but I, I, just... but I think this one is largely drawing from A New Hope. 
Yeah, but there's also the shit, like, I am your uncle's cousin's brother well, but, twice removed but, or whatever. But, but you could yeah. not have that. But the but the rest of it with You all, could. Well, I know. You could I, I know, but not have that. No, of course, but you, you could have, like, just not made this movie, but Brooks just couldn't stop himself. So we, mm. we have to talk about it, but I'm just saying. Do we, like, <laughs> do we have to talk about it? I mean, we kind of do. What if we tell more stories about times we've pissed ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> I think that'd I mean, be preferable. It's, it's funny. I don't think I disliked it quite as much as you two did, but I definitely didn't think it was very good. Well, like, do you want to talk about what you did like about it? Like, are there any jokes or aspects of this movie that you kind of dug? I, I mean, I I think that it still has some of the Brooks charm. And while we've we've kind of beaten the, the merchandising thing to death, I do think that a couple of times that joke was funny. And I, I also did like... Even though the Star Trek jokes were shallow, I did like the teleporter gaff thing. Oh, um, yeah. Where it was just like his ass, and it was like, you know, <laughs> backwards, like. Great beasties, what's happened to his head? It's on backwards. This is terrible. Do something. I'm sorry, sir. There must have been a micro converter malfunction. Why didn't somebody tell me my ass was so big? <laughs> Hold on, sir. We'll try to reverse the beam. That's a funny gag. Like, I, I, I did enjoy that. And, and, like, there's a few here and there. And, like, I, I love the snotty beam me twice last night. Right, And he's right. like, you know, oh, worked on Star Trek. And I'm like, gosh, if only he did Star Trek. I think Star Trek would have freed up so much sci-fi to explore. I mean, spoof. But, but then he couldn't have drawn but in the, also, the fantasy okay. elements because that's what Lucas was drawing from. Like, I, I think that's why he picked Star Wars. That's true. I feel like... He could do all of the above, and it would be more interesting. Yeah, um, that's fair. And I guess if I have to say something I like about this movie, beyond the fact that it provided me countless hours of entertainment as a kid, is I think the Rick Moranis part is the strongest part. Uh, going ahead to the saving face stuff, I think. Well, which which part are we talking about? All of it. Like, I think Rick Moranis is able to sell really weak material in a way that mm. is more consistently entertaining. Like, him always wanting to go fast and not wear a seatbelt and paying <laughs> the consequences, like, is a lazy and not particularly well-written joke, but yeah. he makes the most out of it. And he does some great physical comedy with his helmet and also just uh, playing up the inferiority complex. Like, those are the closest to humor I would say the movie has. I don't know. What would you say is good about this movie, Jason? I mean, Rick Moranis for sure. Like, he could read a phone book and I'd be super stoked. He's He's like marmalade in a prison, you know what I mean? Especially in this movie. Um, but uh, I think I really loved uh, John... Well, John Candy was frustrating because he didn't feel like John Candy to me. But he has one part that was John Candy. And it was like, I think it's early on. And they're playing like a Bon Jovi song. And he's like eating fried chicken and shit. 
and Bill Pullman calls him up to the uh, <laughs> to like the driver's seat or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's like, I can't even get a, a second to you know relax or whatever, and then he just grabs like the dog biscuits and then continues dancing towards the front, right. and it's it, like mm-hmm. it doesn't sound funny how I'm describing it, but his it's not his, funny, Paco. How fucking dare you? But uh, it's it's it, it charming, just, but it's not funny. It's just it's, but it's the idea that it's like it's John Candy's John Candiness breaking through this kind of dull movie. Like I, I think uh, I'm usually a huge John Candy fan, and the movie just felt muted. Like everything felt muted. No, I totally agree, dude. I I even like John Candy in. Uh cool runnings like i love john candy i don't yeah. yeah but like it feel it, the rhythm feel the it, rhyme it, no exactly it's like, bobsled time i don't care what movie he's in like i'm pretty much down for it but this one it just yeah. it doesn't grab me and not at all and, and i think john and i think you're right to point out that john candy in particular is really underutilized but that's true of everyone like he, honestly even brooks like himself his mm-hmm. appearances in the film are like kind of oh, dull man. like he he was he, it, yogurt is kind of embarrassing I, yeah yogurt is bad like uh pre- president president snobbish or whatever i don't forget oh. what his name is yeah like all of them are just yeah. they're they're bad and like the whole the schwartz thing like yeah it, it was childish like the movie felt dull and and really like the the budget of this movie at at this point was his highest it was like a little over 22 million dollars which most of it went to special effects and sets Mm -hmm. which kind of low-key didn't look that good either like the winnebago i don't know but it it did gross uh 40 million dollars but was really low that year considered to like uh, that same year, nineteen eighty-seven, uh, three men and a baby. Ma- speaking of Leonard Nimoy, uh, made one hundred and sixty-seven million dollars, which is nuts. And um, dude, that... it's so crazy. That's the most like profitable movie of that year. That's wild. I think it was one of them. Like it was in the top four or th- I something, believe but... it was the highest-grossing movie all year. Uh, I mean, and this was one of those movies too that was considered a cult, like it, it a classic. Like it was considered to be successful more in like the home video markets where more people found it. Um, that sounds like Brooks as a rental. But like, and there was talk of a sequel. And apparently, there's some like Hollywood myth that around the time of like Force Awakens or whatever in 2015 that Brooks was working on like a sequel that would be like. Oh, 30 years later, we're going to have, you know, Spaceballs 2, The Return Fuck of the Shit, that. or whatever. Um, what, if if Mel Brooks were to make a movie now, what, like a sequel, what do you think it would be? Bad. bad. Do you think really he even bad. further removed? I think it would be, like, a, a terrible flop, and I think it would be even worse than anything we've seen before. I mean, dude is 90s, 90 years old, like... He's a fucking great comedian, but there's no way a 90-year-old has Dude, their finger on the pulse. Toni Morrison published her first book when she was like 40, what, one? I'm, and I'm, she died before she was 90, I imagine. Okay. That's too soon. Too soon talking about Just saying. I, I'm, like, I'm not saying that. I just think that, like, I think that it's been too long since Brooks has, like, been in the game. And I think now we... Thinking about like what what he could do with all of the like Disney Star Wars films in the canon as well, I just Ugh. yeah exactly right. I just don't know. I like how how do you? 
because that's the thing like star wars was really popular when Spaceballs comes out right like it, it's a like a a phenomenon but like now star wars is is like it's like built in it's different it's like a it's like a pillar of popular culture and, and how yeah. do you how do you parody something that's like not just famous it's like infamous it's become like its own thing and so i don't know how you tackle that topic uh in a parody standpoint especially now after all of the films that have come out like it's such a daunting task yeah. and and parodies are so kind of over overspent i'm just like really hard pressed to think how you could seriously approach it at least as a parody and i mean not seriously in a comedic sense but like how do you actually do that and make it funny and i just don't see it yeah i just like i don't even know what i would do to improve this like it's just not really thought out well and that's that that's part of the problem though but i mean i i yeah and and what did we say that each time brooks gets closer to uh like the modern era the worse the the parody becomes and i think this one because it like overshoots the modern era like i mean i'm being a little hokey here but i think that like honestly like he kind of overshoots the mark as well he he's he's so far out of his depth i mean this in like the sincerest possible way it just doesn't work like he doesn't have enough connection to the source material to truly do it justice or to do it well. Mm-hmm. But I also think he's also pursuing different interests that are different from his like artistry or whatever. Sound pretentious, but it's like it, no, but it I, doesn't I, I feel think genuine. Like well, whereas like forts or not, high it's anxiety or well, like high anxiety and silent movie as examples, you could tell he had a love of Hitchcock movies, right. and you could tell that he loved silent era well, but films like he, 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 he like grew up on them in, in, in the way that like Paco grew up on Spaceballs but right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I never told you Paco but there's a lot of like Spaceballs homages and a lot of your writing uh, <laughs> you know, the scripts that you shared <laughs> that checks out that's savage <laughs> A lot of Perrier, Perrier. Okay, no, the, the, the Perrier <laughs> was funny. I will say that. that was I a love that joke. shit. You know, my one of my favorite jokes in this movie that I forgot all about was when they jam their signals. <laughs> and like, like, he tells Barf to jam like these big Star Destroyer, Destroyer signals, and then it just cuts to like just straight up jam like preserves. Well, and then, fruit preserves. And then that, yeah. that's the scene with Michael Winslow, which is actually pretty fun. Well, you don't need that private. We're right here. Now, what is it? Now, what is it? I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. What's wrong with it? I've lost the bleeps, I've lost the sweeps, and I've lost the creeps. The what? The what? And the what? You know, the bleeps. The sweeps. And the creeps. That's not all he's lost. <gasps> sir, the radar, sir. It appears to be jammed. Jammed. Oh, it in like it later jams, like the uh, jam oozes out of the like console, the instruments. Yeah. 
But Michael Winslow doing the bleeps, creeps, sweeps right. is... I could have watched an hour of him just following everyone around scene to scene doing all the sound effects. Like, See, it, even that felt kind of iffy because... Well, but I mean, it's it's after Police Academy, so and it's after like... Exactly. Michael, yeah. I think it was during... Or was it after? I think it's after. I feel like Wasn't it's it after before? the first one. When did Spaceballs come out? 87. Okay, no, I think I think the first Police Academy was in the... Oh, let me just look it up. I'm, Evan, cut this out. <laughs> 80, 84, 84. Yeah, so Police Academy 4 came out the same year. Okay, so that's, that's like a bunch. Like, by Police Academy 4, like... Uh, Gutenberg was gone, and it's just Michael Winslow. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. It feels kind of hacky in a way, you know? Well, of course it's hacky. That's the what we've been saying the whole time. This whole movie is kind of hacky. It's a... But not in a good way. No, no, that's exactly. It was disappointing. Like, you have me at Star Wars. You have me at sci-fi. Like, that's a genre that is fun. Like, it, it was just so weird to be... To, like, Terry, you were saying the movie is uninspired, and it, like... It also triggered me because there's a Transformer in it. I mean, not to harken back to Michael Bay, but which, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of flabbergasting mm-hmm. and weird. To, a ship to turn into like a vacuum, like a robot vacuum cleaner thing that would suck up all the air, like which was super Star Trekky. That's something that would happen, like the Q would do on Star Trek. But it's just the movie's weirdly not fun. Like I was surprised by how little the jokes connected with me and by like how miss most of the jokes were that it was just like either i didn't get it or like like the double mint gum uh twins where you're like this isn't funny it's right like what i like it just none of the jokes yep, were funny it, they were just they like, don't oh, that's a reference to that oh that's a reference to that well and that's okay and it's, like mr coffee it's it's, and then it's there's reaching it's reaching too far and they're not the jokes are not funny they're just they're 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 kind of lame well it's it's such a poke they're at merchandising lame. like vespa and mr coffee it's yeah. all kind of dumb but but aimless because it's not prince valium yeah yeah well see and we had an opportunity like you know you had dom de doing pizza the hut's voice well why did he have to be a pizza monster like couldn't it just be dom de and like I, I, again where's where's madeline khan and like where's the other crew where's harvey corman like well, maybe they didn't want to be attached I, and, to the stinker. No, they didn't and, have the heart to go, oh, Mel, this kind of sucks. No, and, like, and that's totally on. reasonable. But I feel like because uh, a lot of the performances are so flat, and I even like the actors in the roles, they're just performances are not good, this movie really kind of suffers for it. Because I, I mean, truly, I, thinking about like our. Uh, they're, they're doing their best with some pretty no, weak I, material. I, and I agree, but it's like, it, when you ask me, like, who who does, like, the best role, like, to bring up the segment, it's like, it's yeah. such a difficult time for me to pick out someone who I think stands out, because I don't think anyone really does. And that's, that's like, a really demerit to this whole film, is that mm-hmm. I feel like everyone's phoning this in. Everyone, including Brooks, and that's the worst part about yeah, it. Yeah, like, it feels tired. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's another day at work. So you're, like, clocking in, you're doing the motions, but it doesn't feel special. or like, Which is why all thrilling, the merchandising jokes funny. don't feel... Uh, like jokes they feel like that was what the point of the film was (laughs) even 12 chairs and high anxiety felt which are two that i didn't love they feel like they're movies where it's a filmmaker passionate about the subject material right 
riffing on it. This doesn't yeah. even feel like that. No. This is like a dude clocking in like but Terry that's said. the thing is like it feels like oh star wars is huge that could be my next film so i'm gonna write a bunch of random sci-fi joke things and i'm gonna rewatch the movies once and then write a script about it you know like it feels so disconnected that it's not charming it's not tired it's it's kind of just aimless right although i do love the comb the desert joke it's funny where, joke. you know there's like some orders for folks to comb the desert and there's literally like a gigantic hair pick and a comb that are just combing the desert. Although the, um, the black guys with the pick was kind of like, I don't know. About that, that was that strange. Was yeah. I, I remembered that joke from when I was a kid. I didn't remember the black guy carrying the hair pick yeah. through the desert part. And then I was like, what again, why is that funny? It's, it's you a know, little like when I'm trying well, to break down the humor. You're just like, i'm trying to find a connection of like silliness of like that's not it's like a reference i, I you know what i mean i'm not explaining it right but like well, I there's think no joke i mean the I, I, joke I is that like, white people use combs and because of the kind of hair black people have they use picks yeah like i i, I think for not a funny joke well and and also but, they have less little plastic things in their combs so they're not going to collect as much shit from the desert but, but i'm well, just but saying like i don't like, think what, that's the joke what you're like, dancing around is that like the joke is kind of just racism like haha like yeah. it's fine like it that hasn't shown up in mel brooks movies before has it not explicitly <laughs> well we've I'm seen just, homophobia often but 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 that's kind of been a strange cat's uh he's in the the old I feel like that's one of those things where it's arguable that it's out, out and out racist, but well, because we we also have Clavon Little in in uh, KKK yeah. robe in uh, Blazing Saddles, so I mean, like there are other racist things, but but this one kind of just really is hollow. And again, like Jason, it's like, why is he here? It's it's so unnecessary. Yeah. Like Cleveland Little, the the gag with the KKK and and like uh, that whole thing, like it's all set up. It's actually funny. I mean, I think, I I, th- I think it's problematic, but I still laughed. It, I don't think it's funny. But it's the... part of like a common like theme and focus of yeah. where they're going. Like they're they're literally chiseling away at so many different things that are all like a big theme that they're working towards, like in towards a story to tell. And here it's just kind of like. There's so much aimless shit that is like random where I could totally tell they whittled down a 300 page it, it script does. into yeah. this. But then you're like, there were no better jokes. Like, it's just strange. Speaking of that, I feel like we're hitting a point where we're kind of meandering and moving around. <laughs> yeah, let's, ah. you know, let's pause. We'll do a part two next week where we just talk about the magic ring. So God we hope it. that you... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, do we want to get into any kind of final thoughts on the movie? I mean, what what what's the name of that segment again? Uh, Saving Face. Yeah. I feel like Jason and I already. Yeah. It will. Uh, I mean, you, that, Terry, that's fair. you said you didn't have anyone. Yeah. No, I, I was actually. Yeah, I don't really have anyone. I, I I think that you're right to point out Rick Moranis, but I I would jokingly say. Uh, john hurt but again all the performances are just like uninspired so like i don't have i i can't even say it in like good faith that anyone is good because i think the script is just a turd that's fair um i guess closing thought yeah check us out next week when we're talking about what will 
hopefully be a better movie. I, I believe it's a blind watch for all of us. Never seen it. it. Is. Nope, never seen it. Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling a little sick. Blind watch. I'll be there for that. <laughs> all around for Mel Brooks's Life Stinks. Until then, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and uh, I hope you're taking good care of yourselves. It's been a rough time. <laughs>